Welcome to TTM Cast One on One with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one on one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. Here's our host, Jeff Baker, with this week's interview. And welcome to TTM Cast One on One. It's our new Wednesday show. We do a new show every Wednesday, and we also have a new show every Saturday. My name is Jeff Baker. I am coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I am your host for this fine, fine program, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here as always. Drew, I love these midweek shows. They're fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it helps break everything up a little bit, kind of. Keep stuff fresh in your mind a bit as well. Yeah, I like this a lot. I know. You want the good news or the bad news? Let's have the bad news, then the good news. All right. Saturday's show went three hours. We tried. We tried. We tried. We tried. <laughs> but Saturday's show went three hours. Wow. I don't know what we can do. Either, either I have to learn how to shut up. <laughs> or <laughs> we might have to add a third show. I don't know. Yeah, just about. Wow. But the good news is we're getting tons and tons of new listeners. So I want to welcome all the new listeners out there. We thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying our banter back and forth. We talk, what do we talk, Drew? We talk cards. Cards, autographs, anything that's anything that's sports hobby related. We, we've got it covered in there. And we even talk gibberish sometimes too, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be what I had for lunch yesterday. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> We basically talk whatever's on the the, the front of our brain. Yeah. We, we don't we don't really let anything hold, and we just go right, Drew. Yep, exactly. Well, Drew, we have a a, a fun show this uh, week for you on when this Wednesday. We have Lou Nanny. Lou Nanny spent his whole career in my in Minnesota. He from college hockey all the way up to professional hockey to playing, uh, managing, and coaching uh, to general managing. He is. Uh, synonymous with minnesota hockey right i don't think anyone yes. spent as much time in minnesota doing hockey than lunani do you yeah i mean if there if there's anybody else i can't think of who they would be he's got to be number one well i we got lunani he was actually uh getting ready to jump on a plane so we only had about 15 20 minutes with him but it was a good 15 20 minutes so that will be coming up but leading off we have leading off it is hobby happening hobby Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com happening that was my that was my attempt at an echo nice. <laughs> well drew i had to call these guys i met i met the, uh a gentleman down in spring training at fort myers and we kind of started talking we really hit it off and his name is steve curtis and he is a former uh paratrooper and a marine and a veteran and he is involved with this great charity that um 
we're going to have some, a lot of uh, play with them. We're going to we're going to be involved with them in one way or another. I had a nice call with him and the president of their the, their cause uh, yesterday. And moving forward, they do a monthly podcast, Drew. So I think we're going to help. I'm going to help out on their podcast, and maybe we'll en en enlist you in that as well. They do a monthly podcast um, dealing with veterans, and I'll, I'll read their mission statement. Their mission statement is the mission of Bob Feller Act and Valor Foundation is to recognize and honor our service members and those who support them, to provide support to military, military services and veteran causes, and to educate on the lessons of citizenship sacrifice and the service to our country so that's what they do and all right well the big thing they do is they earn money um for scholarships for veterans and and, and uh, their families and uh they have an, an award that goes out to uh, current players and former players and, and uh servicemen and they have a big convention in november so i'm sure i will be part of that and then we're also gonna i'm gonna be on their advisory committee to help cool. them out and we're gonna work with them uh, hopefully we'll get some autographs for them, kind of like we did with signatures of soldiers and uh, some get some signatures for, from guys that they can uh, raffle off, uh, either raffle off or auction off at mm -hmm. their uh, event or through their website. So we're going to we're going to help out. And Drew, you're more than welcome to help out any way you can. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best to help out and we're going we're gonna, to uh, kind of help out and promote the, the Bob Feller Active Valor Award. It's Bob Feller Active Valor Award.org is the website. And we will be uh talking about them for the for the remainder of the year. Not you know, not every week, but we'll be helping out and uh you know we'll we'll be helping out on their podcast as well. And they're gonna promote our podcast as well on uh with with their um clientele and their, their people. So I think it's a win-win for everybody, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan of anything that sticks Bob Feller's name on it. So, I mean, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, all right, I'm in. We're good with this. So, so looking guys, forward that, to that. That's our, that's our charity. That it, we are not forsaking Signatures of Soldiers, and we will do everything we can to help uh, Tim and his crew at Signatures of Soldiers. But just another way we can help out uh, veterans and vet, family members of veterans. Uh, and I really am big into ed education and helping uh, defer the cost of education for kids because, um, you know, I put two, three kids through college and it's expensive and it's yeah. you, you did you might learn one day drew but <laughs> it is hard so anything any way we can help out the kid uh the kids and uh veterans kids to uh defer their cost of their education that's a good uh charity for me so we're looking forward to working with them and we will have we will have pete and uh steve on as a guest we're going to interview them right. on, on the podcast and we will hear from them and probably in a couple of weeks all right cool sounds all really right. good all right, I am heading to Fort Myers, going to be traveling. I am traveling on uh, Thursday, I believe, or no, Friday, because we, you and I are recording on Thursday, so I'm tra right. tra traveling on Friday. I'm going to the Red Sox and the Twins on Saturday. I'm going to the Red Sox and Yankees on Sunday, and the Twins and Pirates on Monday. So I got three games to go. Uh, I'm not, not, not sure I'm going to get many autographs, because you don't get as many autographs at the at the games as do the right. practice, but looking forward to uh, going down to Florida, I just was talking to to my friend down in Fort Myers today. He said it's 92 degrees today, so Ooh. it's gonna be nice warm weather, right? Nice. And it's like what is it? It's 33 degrees here in Boston, so I'm looking forward to <laughs> getting a, getting into the sun. But that's what I got. I got planned for the week. No, not much um, collecting worth wise. I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna uh, purchase any more cards this week or get any cards. But I got a bunch of 
my TTMs have been rolling in and I sent out, uh, I don't know, five or six the other day. So we get a lot of TTMs out. And guys, make sure you check this one out. My friend Drew here, he's an author. He's an author. Once in a while. Once in a I, while. I, sometimes, so, sometimes I write stuff. Yeah. He, why don't you tell people about the article you just wrote for Sports Collectors Daily? Yeah, well, this one just kind of hit me out of nowhere because uh, uh, Jeff and I talked a little bit about, hey, yeah, I should write some more for uh, Sports Collectors Daily there. And I'm thinking, all right, yeah, if I come up with anything, I can definitely do that. And I wasn't really coming up with any ideas. He said, you know, what about something about one of those indoor soccer sets? I'm like, yeah, try to come up with a good angle on that. It's kind of tough. And then, well, of course, if you listen to our Saturday shows here recently, you'll know that we both got back autographs from Andy Messersmith recently. Messersmith, not exactly an easy autograph. I mean, if you were to list the 20 toughest living players to get an autograph from he would probably have made that list i mean until this past week he would have been in my top five or so but then jeff got him i managed to get him a couple others have managed to get him as well so it's like all right that kind of made me think like well who would i put in the top 10 toughest living autograph signers in baseball and so because of that i'm like all right let's start you know researching it a little bit ask around get people's opinions on it and everything and finally i compiled a top 10 list of the 10 toughest living baseball players both past and present players are included in there but the top 10 toughest living baseball autographs and so that's the article that's up on sports collectors daily right now you can go and check that out i've got a there's a link to it on my website if you go to my media page there's a link right there to everything i've written for uh scd which is uh two articles so far but you can find it all right there easily all right drew we have to do the old david letterman remember david letterman number 10 number of nine. course all yep. right so look, why don't we do number uh 10 through five well okay Ten through six looks like there, yeah. Ten being the most easiest of the group, is that what we're, we're saying? Yeah, ten is the easiest of this group, on down to the very hardest at number one. Okay, and then there's one guy that that's in the top five that we saw somebody got actually got a, a not a return, but they did purchase a a, a signed card. So yes. we can talk about that as well. All right, number ten is Zach Greinke, pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. He pitched for the Houston Astros. Who else did he pitch for? He's with the Diamondbacks for a bit. Yeah. Um, God, who else? He's bounced around a little bit there. I mean, this is a guy who's got, you know, a uh, potential Hall of Fame career that he's built up. And uh, but despite that, yeah, he never seems to stay in one spot for very long at all. And he's kind of quirky, right? I don't yeah, I don't want, uh, I don't want to say he he's different, but he's quirky. Yeah, he's uh, I mean, he's been very public about his struggles he's had with uh, social anxiety and depression in his past and everything, and may still affect him now for all I know, but of course, it was a widely publicized thing a couple of years ago when uh, pitcher and uh, collector extraordinaire Pat Neshek asked Granky to sign some cards from him. Granky said, yeah, just have him sent over to the clubhouse. I'll have them. I'll sign them. And so he has them sent over there, and then they get sent back unsigned. And so it's like, what the hell? What's the deal with this? You said you'd sign them. And Granky's response was something like, you know, I don't get you or something like that. It's like, that's really freaking weird. And so Granky has – he's got the reputation probably as the toughest signer in all of Major League Baseball right now. I mean, you've got a few other guys that are up there like, you know, Justin Verlander doesn't sign a lot, doesn't seem to like signing at all. You get a guy like, you know, Mike Trout who gets mobbed everywhere, but he'll at least do it. But yeah. Granky, it's just, yeah, he just does not want to sign at all, but uh, he's he's gettable once in a while, but he's very tough. Do you think he'll change once he retires? I mean, because no. he's, he's only in his 30s, right? He's Yeah, he's kind of mid-30s. I mean, he's he's probably the last guy who has a chance at getting 300 wins. And even that, I don't think he's going to stick around long enough for it, but I don't think he's going to change after retirement. I mean, he's been the same way ever since like a minor leagues, as far as I know that he was a tough autograph when he was younger. He was a tough autograph in the middle of his career. He's eased up maybe a little bit at times here and there, but he's still one of the toughest ones to get. 
Okay, number nine. Number nine is Tony Horton, former Min, uh, Cleveland Indian, and yep. he played for the Red Sox, didn't he? He was an outfielder. I think he might have, yeah, briefly been with the Red Sox. And so in in the late the like the uh, late sixties, early seventies, right? Yeah. And and he's another one that had a kind of quirky personality, right? Wasn't that his? Yeah, he was. Uh, I I feel bad kind of putting him on the list there because uh, he was apparently really heavily pressured into a baseball career by his father and always had this fear that he was never living up to what his father wanted and everything. And it weighed in on him badly to the point of there's an article that mentions a possible suicide attempt at one point during his career. And uh, eventually psychologists told him, if you want to get over this, you're just, you're going to have to put baseball completely behind you and just be completely done with it forever. And he's done exactly that. He doesn't like talking about his baseball career. He doesn't, uh, doesn't answer any questions about it, but he seems to be living a good and comfortable life after everything. So, hey, it seems like it's gone all right for him ever since then. But, yeah, I hate putting him on that list there, but he does not want to sign autographs. He didn't really do it much as a player. He yeah, also was I never remember on, right. He was actually a pretty good player, and he kind of just yeah. stopped, right? Yeah, exactly. He Yeah, he had some really great moments there early on with the Indians. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, he he doesn't have any tops cards at all. He never signed a contract with tops on the advice of his father and grandfather and a couple other people. He has one of those Kellogg's 3D cards, and that's about the only thing that exists on him from his uh, playing days. But yeah, he does not sign at all, doesn't like talking about his baseball career, nothing. But I mean, he still was a former player who is almost impossible to get. So he's got to, I've got to put him on the list whether I want to or not. All right, my friend. Number eight, Phil Ortega, right? Ortega. Yes. I do not remember him at all. He played, he was a pitcher in the 60s with the yes. Dodgers. Started out with the Dodgers, then was a longtime Washington senator after that. But uh, what's weird is that he was he's uh, never really liked signing at all. And he has become like vehemently opposed to it over the last uh, couple decades or so. Supposedly, somebody was uh, had a signing with him once. And there's been like nothing ever since. There's been maybe one TTM success in the last couple decades on him. But uh, his big thing was that when he was with the Dodgers first coming up, Dodgers said, yeah, we really want to uh, really heavily promote you. Because, I mean, you're this you know, young up and coming player and uh you're of Hispanic background and all that. And he basically said, um, no, I'm not. He's actually a member of the Yaqui tribe of uh, Native Americans down in the uh, kind of along the Mexican border there. Yep. And, oh, the Dodgers did not like that. They basically said, well, you need to shut up and pretend to be Hispanic, basically. <laughs> and he hated that. And uh, after he got traded to the Senators, like jokes about his heritage started being made by not just opposing players, but even like some of his own teammates were getting on him about stuff about being Native American. And it just got to where he resented everything about baseball, hated everything about it, and just did not want to be bothered with it. And I tried TTMing him a few years ago. I even mentioned, look, I mean, one of your former teammates was uh, was next door neighbor to my uh, dad and my grandparents. In fact, here's even a copy of a newspaper article. That's my dad posed with him in this picture and everything. Sent him that, a long letter, 1962 tops card, and never heard a thing from him. So, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. All right. The next one, this is number seven, right? Yep. Seven? Yep. Willie Green, he I remember Willie Green with the Phillies, right? He was an infielder with the Phillies. Uh, I don't think he was a Philly at all. I know he was mostly with the Reds for a long the time. The Reds, okay. He ended up with the Pirates, the Cubs, maybe a couple other teams, but those uh, those ones stick in my mind most. But in the in the 90s or 80s? When it... Yeah, 92, 93, somewhere around there is when he made his debut and he was out of baseball by 2000. So, I mean, you know, a good long, you know, seven to nine year career in there, but... He just seems to have vanished off the face of the earth. Nobody can find an address for him. The one address that people seem to be able to find on him, somebody said, yeah, I drove by it the other day, and it's like this trashed vacant lot. It's like he definitely does not live there, so it's, that was weird. Uh, looking around on Facebook, I found a photo of some 
guy posted a photo of himself with Willie Green. Green signed a photo and stuff for him. And uh, it's like, wow, that's crazy. Now, where was this? And I can't find any info after that. So <laughs> he's out there at least, but he's not involved with anything with like coaching baseball or anything like that. I can't find a good address on him. I just, nobody really knows what's happened to the guy. And if somebody could find him, I mean, he's in every early to mid nineties set, somebody out there, everybody needs his autograph. They're working on a set from that era. So yeah. Somebody who could find him could make a killing right there. Yeah, our buddy Troy, Troy Rudder might be able to find him. He's he's usually pretty good at yeah. finding these guys. Yeah. Uh, all right, the last the last guy. This is number uh, number nine, six. Six number six. Thank you. I'm glad you can count. That's <laughs> why we keep you around. Mike Kedick, who played uh, was a pitcher with the uh, Cleveland Indians and the New York Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he was involved, of course, in that wife swapping deal with fritz peterson and yeah. i guess that's the best way to describe it in the early 70s and i think he just kind of shied away from publicity right is that the the reason yeah i mean it's uh the, no reason has really been given as to why he got away from things but uh yeah it's that's been the big thing that i guess his end of that trade really did not work out well it sounds like so uh he's kind of just shied away from publicity ever since then um i mean that was what 50 years ago that that happened yeah. And yeah, he's just, I mean, he's spent probably the last 40 years just hiding from the spotlight and everything. There were, there were rumors for a long time among collectors that he'd become like this doomsday prepper out in the desert and everything. And uh, well, he finally agreed to do a signing last year. Things like $60 an item for, which at the time I was saving up money for my uh, trip out to uh, all the minor league baseball games last summer. So I saw that I'm thinking, man, that is not too bad of a price for somebody that tough to get, but had to pass on it ultimately. But uh, photos from that signing, uh, I mean, he lives in like a perfectly normal, nice looking house and everything. He's not like, you know, some doomsday prepper, like the rumors had said or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know if he'll ever do another signing again. So if you didn't get on the, in on that one, hopefully you can find one on the secondary market. And uh, I'll have a little bit more to say about uh, Kekic uh, this weekend when we do the Saturday show. Hopefully I'll have more to say on it then. If not, it'll be early next week. But uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that for now. But he's a very tough one to get. He's on that one signing at 60 bucks a pop. And if you didn't get in on it, well, you you might not have another chance on him again. All right, guys. Well, make sure you check out Drew's article this month, this week on Sports Collectors Daily. And we, I think we'll address um, the top five on Saturday's show. Okay, Drew? Cool. So that, that sounds good. It's, it's a very enjoyable show. Also, make sure you check out Drew's new e- uh, video. It's up on YouTube. It's DFW Graffer. DFW Graffer is his, uh, all his social media stuff. And he's got a new video that he posted yesterday. Was it yesterday, Drew? Uh, yeah, put it up. Yeah, yesterday morning. Yesterday. Um, so we are we are all set. And now make sure you check that out. It's a really entertaining video going over all his uh, TTM requests. Yep. Uh, another uh, article we want to make sure you don't miss is our friend's um, Clemente, Clemente Lise has written a cool article on, on Puck Junk, puckjunk.com. It is a hockey site uh, done, uh, put together by our friend Sal Barry. And uh, Clemente has a great article on the five Patricks you should collect in hockey. So we'll go, we'll just quickly run down them. And if so let me know if you agree with it, okay, Drew? Yeah. Because yeah. you are a hockey guy. All right, Pat, uh, Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. Patrick Rob. Yeah, I'd say those two are kind of interchangeable with the one and two spots there. Okay. Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, it's a solid one. Okay, I I missed him. I don't remember him at all. He was, uh, let's see, 2000 or so up until the last couple of years, mostly with uh, San Jose. Played a little bit with, I think, Toronto and Pittsburgh as well, but mostly a San Jose Shark. All right, I, that, he missed, I missed that one. Patrick LaFontaine. Definitely. He's, I mean, I would put him at number three, honestly. I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer, whereas Marlowe, 
probable future Hall of Famer at least. And the last, Pat Stapleton. I mean, you got to have somebody to fill out that fifth spot, I guess. I can't think of another another Patrick to go in there. So, uh, yeah, I guess Pat Stapleton. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah well, I'd go with that. I guess. Craig Patrick, who was the assistant coach on the uh, the '80s Olympic team, right? And, and yeah, yeah, he's he was there. I I was trying to think who else was in there for Pat's. James I Patrick couldn't... played forever, but I mean, that's a last name and he wasn't really anything great aside from a stay-at-home defenseman. So I couldn't think of any, but <sighs> guys, check out Clemente's article. It's on Puck Junk. I always have trouble with that one. Puck Junk, puckjunk.com. It's uh, the five Patrick's you should collect. So he did that in uh, honor of St. Patrick's Day, which is coming up. So make sure you check that out. Well, Drew, we have some grading numbers for February 27th through March 5th. Yeah, we do. And, uh, you know, we mentioned last week that PSA down a little bit. Well, they definitely sprang back up this week, a 34% increase, 270,200 cards going through their uh, offices there over that past week. CSG and SGC both up a little bit. CSG up to 32,800. That's a 7% increase. SGC an 8% increase to 25,700. And Beckett also springing back up as well. 20,800 cards being graded by them. That's a 47% increase. Very cool. A lot of cards getting graded, and we love to see that. Hey, uh, the returns have been rolling in. I got I got a couple of returns on Saturday, and then I've got I got a couple. I got three returns yesterday. I got Bernie Wolf, who was a former goaltender with the Washington Capitals. I got Clyde Lee, who played for the Golden State Warriors. And you know, it's funny. I don't know if you remember this, uh, or it was maybe it was it was it was when you were here too. But remember Eddie Andelman and Sports Huddle and. Uh, he was a sports broadcast, you know, a sports talk guy on okay. EI. Yeah. These always used to have a, a list of like the guys that had African American names but were white. Oh yeah. The uh, the all like <laughs> Reg- in Reggie Inver- Reggie yep. Cleveland always used to lead the list. Yes, but exactly. Clyde Lee is when I when when I first saw him for a second, I thought I when I first saw the name, I was like, I think he's African American. He's mm-hmm. not, he's white. Yeah. <laughs> so Clyde Lee was a basketball player with the uh, Golden State Warriors back in the seventies. I got him, and I got Billy Butler, who played for, is a uh, played for the Kansas City uh, Royals. Nice. I got him on his draft draft card, so that was pretty cool. And uh, you you got a couple of good ones as well. Yeah, I've gotten actually. I've already had six uh, six successes this week, which is pretty awesome. But I'm gonna save uh, four of them for uh, the Saturday show. You know, got just in case I don't get anything in the mail the next few days. But I will mention two of the big hockey ones I got. So. You know, I've got several hockey sets I'm working on, and it's very rare that I've got anybody left on those that can actually TTM with any degree of success. But in back-to-back days, I've taken my Upper Deck Rookie Class uh, set from needing 10, or projects, it's four sets in one. But I've taken it from needing 10 cards in it down to only needing eight now because That's pulled awesome. in a Patrick, yeah, I pulled in a Patrick, or uh, Jan Stastny to start out. Of course, he is the son of, uh, Paul, of uh, Peter Stastny, brother of Paul Stastny. Didn't quite have the career that the rest of his family did there, but played for a long time in Europe, played a bit with the Oilers and the Bruins both. But uh, Yeah, I don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame unless he buys a ticket. Yeah, probably not. He, <laughs> he'll, he might get mentioned in a couple of, spe- of induction speeches there, and that's about it. But uh, yeah, I actually mailed this card out to him back in like 2008 or so and never got it back. I sent it to him and Paul in the same envelope to, to right there, right to their, uh, their dad's address. Put both in the same envelope, wrote a letter to both of them, never got either one. Well, eventually I got Paul by himself through, uh, I think it was Vegas he was playing for at the time. And finally found a home address for Jan Stastny, so I was able to get that one back. So uh, that knocked me down to to nine as of yesterday. And then today, after a one-month wait, one of the big four that I had remaining, because I had, out of the nine that are left, I had four guys that are going to be going into the Hall of Fame, so they're going to be real tough to get. 
four guys that are currently back over in Russia. So that's almost impossible to get. And one who is a goalie coach with a junior team in Canada, but doesn't seem to respond to any TTMs. I tried him anyway, so we'll see if we get him. But I got one of those future Hall of Famers back today after one month wait. Henrik Lundqvist. That is the, uh, that's one of the biggest TTMs I've gotten ever right there, I would say. But uh, did you send that to his house or to a team? Where did you send it? Yeah, it was a home address. I just looked it up on white pages and went with uh, what was on there because I had seen there was a guy who got him back after a request to the Rangers. It took like a year to get back to him. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm definitely not trying the Rangers at all because, I mean, I don't want to wait around that long. And then uh, looking on sportscollectors.net, somebody got him back in about a month through just listed as private. I'm like, all right, let's see if I can message this guy. So I messaged the guy and asked him, hey, was it a home address, restaurant address? What exactly was it? Never heard anything back from him. So I'm like, all right, I can get a replacement of this card for a quarter. I have no reason not to try it. I mean, if I if it fails, great. I'll go out and buy five more copies of it for, you know, a buck and a half or so. So I mailed it out to the home address. I figured if I don't hear anything, we'll try the restaurant. And well, here we are a month later, came back from the home address. So very happy to get that one. It's easy to find on white pages. So there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Drew's the best when it comes to finding those hard ones. He's, <laughs> he's the man. Well, we got both those, both those are actually from white pages. So yeah, it's uh, it's an it's an often overlooked tool, I got to say. We have some auction results from our friends at Heritage Auctions. It's HA Auctions, uh, HA.com is their website. And uh, they just had a recent two-day auction. And this one's kind of cool. A 1961 All-Star Game Hank Aaron Bat sold for $264,000. It last sold in August of 2020 for $39,600. So that is an unbelievable return in, what, three years it went from thirty nine thousand six hundred to two hundred sixty four thousand dollars. That's a, that's a, that's a nice return for somebody. And uh, who who wouldn't love to have a Hank Aaron All Star Game bat, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's a sevenfold increase in the span of barely even just un, just a little over two and a half years. Yeah, it's crazy. Hank Aaron with another big return in there as well. A PSA ten copy of his nineteen sixty eight tops card went for one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars. 68's been going for good money here lately. You mentioned a Mantle one the other day there. This is a uh, Hank Aaron yeah. PSA 10. And those are those high grades on those can be kind of tough. Yeah, those, you know, 68's hard for high, high grades with, yeah. with the, that border that they have. Yeah, I got that tweed border. The centering has never really been great on them. So nice card right there. Nice return on it. But $22.3 million in sales there at that two-night auction. So real nice, uh, nice big day there for a Heritage. Uh, Fanatics continues to build their team. They're, they're, they're adding people left and right, and they just hired a new chief of marketing. His name's Ken Turner. He came in from Red Bull, and uh, we're going we're gonna to do our best to get Ken on to talk about what's going on with Fanatics and Tops. But, uh, you know, they're bringing in a lot of people that don't have hobby experience, aren't card mm-hmm. guys. So I think that's good for the hobby. I think different voices from different types of industries will will um do a lot and fanatics is going to do something that no one's really done aggressively in our hobby in terms of the manufacturers of cards is really marketing it marketing the product and fanatics wants to grow tenfold we've talked about that before and the only way to do that is to bring in new collectors drew and i think anytime you can bring in new collectors into our hobby i think that's a plus absolutely i mean you look at a company like red bull especially i mean they are the ener- they are the leader of the energy drink market, so they know what it means to build something from ground up. Because I mean, you go back twenty years, energy drinks weren't a thing, and now everybody consumes them. So getting in somebody who knows that kind of stuff from Red Bull to be able to build a brand—that's definitely a huge thing right there. So 
Fanatics gives you wings, I guess. <laughs> and we will see. Hopefully, we will have Ken on the show uh, pretty soon. Guys, we have some new releases to let you guys know about. The 2022-23 Donruss Basketball uh, just came out. There's 30 cards in a pack. There's 10 packs, one autograph. Unfortunately, I didn't get a price on it. So it, 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 ju- it just came out. Uh, not bad. A lot. You get a lot of cards. I think Donruss is kind of the low end, right, for, mm-hmm. for basketball. So check that out. 2022-23 Donruss Basketball just came out. I've got a baseball offering from Panini. Their Elite Extra Edition has hit the shelves. Five packs with five cards. You get eight autographs and two memorabilia cards among that uh, mix of 25 cards, though. So pretty nice uh, grouping of stuff there. $100 the price tag on that one. Yeah, a new release from Panini and Soccer, the 2022-23 Panini Revolution Premier Soccer League cards. Eight packs, five cards per pack. Uh, Hobby Box is going for about $30, and uh, there's a lot of inserts, but I do not believe that there's any uh, autographs in, in this release set. I've got an Allen Ginter Chrome offering from baseball, the 2022 Allen Ginter Chrome. You get six base card refractors, 18 mini base cards, and seven inserts all in a box there. $130 to get that one. Yeah, I think there, there's some on-card autographs in a case, but they're not guaranteed in, in a box, so... Um, give it a try. Also, a new one from uh, Bowman. Bowman Inception 2022. This 2022 baseball. You get two autographs, and uh, those are going for about $165 for a hobby box. That's Bowman Inception baseball 2022. Just came out. Two autos for $165. Well, Drew, I think that wraps up hobby happenings for for today for this week. Uh, we'll have obviously we'll have all more news on Saturday. We're going to have a, a new. Uh, well, because I'm going away, we're going to be recording our show on Thursday night and probably releasing it sometime on Friday. So that just to keep in mind, the, our regular show will be out probably on Friday sometime. Um, but I had, uh, let's get right to our interview. We had an, the opportunity to talk to Lou Nanny, who uh, again was Minnesota North Star, Minnesota Golden Gopher. Uh, he was a player. He was a uh, GM. He was a coach. He's been done everything with Minnesota hockey. And I got Lou kind of just on the way to catching a flight. So I had only about 15, 20 minutes with him, but it was cool to talk to him. He uh, signed my a couple cards for me. TTM is a great signer through the mail. So if you need Lou Nanny, you can send it off. He does personalize just to let you guys know. But please enjoy my interview with Lou Nanny. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Collecting trading cards can be expensive, but grading doesn't have to be. You can now grade your cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Get your sports cards in the industry's best and clearest holders. CSG also offers amazing customer service, fast turnaround times, and accurate, consistent grading. Plus, get access to the CSG registry and compete against other collectors for the best collections. Go to csgcards.com to start protecting your personal collection today. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com. Joining us on the show is a man who's synonymous with hockey in Minnesota. I'm talking, of course, of Lou Nanny, who went to University of Minnesota, played for the Minnesota North Stars. He was a coach and GM. And we'll talk to Lou a little about his career and about uh, signing autographs for the mail. Welcome, Lou. Uh, welcome. Thank you very much, Jeff. Welcome. Lou, do you have a favorite moment as a player in the NHL? 
Well, I guess uh, it would be playing in the semifinals against Montreal. Um, that was a big series for us. We we made it. We were the first expansion team to be an be an established team. And I fortunately got the winner in that game, and uh, we took them to six games. And actually, Teddy Hampson scored with six one hundredths of a second after the buzzer went, or we might have we might have gone farther. You know what? As a Bruin fan, I've been on on that that end as well from the Canadians. Was Ken Dryden as tough a, a goalie to play against as, as he appeared to yeah. be? Yeah, Dryden was like you know he's big. He really covered the angles well. He's very good with his hands and positioning. He, he was a, a tremendous goaltender. You uh, you amassed 356 penalty minutes during your career. Do you have a favorite fight or a favorite guy you like like to go up against? No, not really. You know, you just got to <laughs> compete in every game. It doesn't doesn't matter who it is, who you're playing against. You just got to play hard, and, and you have to take checks. But when you take them, you got to remember who got them to you, and maybe you get a chance back and give it back to them. As long as you you know you 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 compete and and. Uh, don't always just take checks and give them back. People will respect you. Is there, there's, is there a team that you enjoyed beating more than others? Did you ever have a rivalry, a personal rivalry against any team? No, I guess the Blackhawks. You know, we always had, uh, and and when it first started with St. Louis Blues, that was our biggest rival because Blackhawks were in a different division, so it evolved. But St. Louis, the first five years, it seemed the first four or five years, every time. We get in the playoffs. We had to either beat St. Louis to advance, or or they advance. Yep. You you were a uh, after a player. You became a uh, general manager. You co- you coached for a season. You were a GM from 1978 to 1988. One of the fun things I think about a GM would be making trades. Is there a trade that was on the table that you didn't pull the trigger on that you wish you did? That I didn't pull the trigger on? Yeah. No, I. I trigger. I made a lot of trades if you go back and check the record. I I, I can't tell you how many I made. I, I don't know if anybody <laughs> made as many as I did during that ten years. I had no problems making trades. Well you built you built a, a great uh tradition of winning with as a GM and you guys made the the cup in nineteen eighty one. Um was that the best team the best team that you were involved with? Yeah that was it. And that was really a tremendous hockey team. We 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 had balance, we had size, we were tough, uh, we had excellent goaltending. We were we were deep in all parts of the game, and unfortunately for us, the Islanders were at their peak, and uh, they beat us in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, the, the, those Mike Bossy teams and Dennis Popin teams were tough teams back then. All right. You you uh, were involved heavily in. Um, uh, the international and the Olympics. You played on the 1968 Olympic team, and you were instrumental in bringing Herb Brooks to the, the 1980 Ice team. Can you tell us a little about uh, what what um, Herb, Herb, how why you thought Herb Brooks would be a good coach, and, and how you were involved in getting him to be coach of the team? Well, after I graduated from college, I was in a contract dispute with Chicago, and I sat out for five years. And worked, and while while I was working, I also was coaching the University of Minnesota freshman team. And then uh, they uh, asked me to play in the U.S. team, and they had to put a bill through Congress to get me citizenship right away. 
So uh, I played in the 68 Olympic team, as you said, and Herb was my teammate. And Herb had played with me for previous years. We played on the weekends in Rochester, make Rochester, Minnesota, to make extra money in that senior league. And so when the Olympics were over, I I told him I was going to turn pro, and and I uh, I said I've already talked to the coach. Uh, I want you to go and coach university freshmen, take my job. He said, I'm selling insurance. I don't know if I want to coach. I said, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And so I talked him into it, and he took the job as a freshman coach. And from there, he became the, the varsity coach about five years later. He won three national titles. And then I took over the team, as you said, as both general manager and coach in February 78. And I said, I don't want to coach. I'll just coach till the end of the year. Then I'll, you know, try and uh, I'm going to hire another coach. Well, yeah, who wants who uh, wants to be on the road uh, <laughs> all that time, right? Pardon me. Yeah, who well, wants to be on the road all that time? Too many movies. I don't think one guy should do two jobs. So anyway, '78, uh, I had uh, we merged the team with Cleveland to Kerry Hall started coaching. Yep. Sean <clears throat> Moore, but um, I, I wanted uh, Herbie to come and coach and Glenn to run my hockey department. And although I, I, I thought Glenn was a tremendous coach, but, uh, you know, Herb and I and Glenn were all very close. So I went to him and I negotiated with him for three weeks. And then they finally said, Louie, I'd rather coach the Olympic team. You're on the committee. Get me the job. And uh, so we had already had <clears throat> offered the job to someone else. They turned it down. So I said, well, Walter Bush, who, uh, you know, worked for, he was president of North Stars the whole time. And he, he also, Headed up the Olympic Committee, uh, International Committee, and he and I were on the committee. So I said, okay, I'll talk to Walter. We'll get you a job. And that's how he became coach of the team. Yeah, and he and he's coached for you where, uh, in the pros as well, correct, right, in the NHL? He, he coached for me in 87, 1987. Yeah. Did I – did the um, Russian the Russians were so strong in the late seventies and early eighties? Do you think they influenced how we play the game today? Oh, they definitely did. They they did in the seventies. If you go back and look at the Summit Series, which is the greatest series of all time in hockey, yeah, and that was with Canada against Russia, eight games, four in Canada, four in Russia. And because they saw, that's when they finally realized the Russians were a great team because Russians were always playing in the Olympics international play, but pros couldn't play it at that time. So when they showed how, how good they were and that series was so close, uh, their style of uh, not just throwing the puck in, but regrouping, moving the puck, uh, uh, moving with speed, uh, interchanging positions, uh, people became aware of it in the NHL, and then they started that's when they started changing the game in the NHL somewhat. I know I played in the 76 first Canada cup series for USA. And we spent two, three days uh, because we were going to be playing in that Canada cup tournament against uh, Canada and all the, the best European teams, including the Russians. And we spent two, three days just playing the way they played. I wanted to get uh, used to how they're playing, but to improve how we were playing. Yep. I was I was watching the Bruins in Edmonton last night, and it was amazing how much they they hold on to the puck and they they change direction in the passing. It was just it, it, it just harkened back to the old Russian teams, don't you think? 
Oh yeah, and it definitely has a, a flair. Uh, it's not only Russians, Czechs played like that, Swedes played like that. European hockey was more like that than, than uh, NHL and uh, Western Western hockey, you know, overall. In addition to all, uh, everything you've done in hockey, you've written a book. It's called The Passion to Win. Uh, how has that been received? And um, what were some what what some of the things that you covered in your book? Well, I wrote two books. The first one's History Memory of the North Stars. Uh, which was it was phenomenal. We, we sold uh, thirty thousand hardcover wow. books. Which we we uh, on, on the opening day we outsold uh, Harry Potter for their opening day at that uh, Barnes and Noble store in Minneapolis. And uh, then I wrote my autobiography's Passion to Win, and that's done very well too. I I don't uh, I don't go around signing autographs anymore like as I did with those two books. It took a lot of time. I went all over the state, but, but it was worthwhile and, uh, was very well received. And, and the history and memory of the North stars, I gave half the proceeds to USA hockey and the other half to university of Minnesota. Is it a little strange to you? Uh, you know, you were so um, tied with the, the Minnesota North stars and, and they're no longer in existence. Obviously they went down to Dallas. Um, do you have any feeling to the, to the Dallas team? Uh, as a former former North Star team, is it, is it strange? I know the Wild are, are, are an expansion team, but um, do, you, do you miss that old the, the old North Star and, and Uni? Oh, I, I definitely miss the you know Minnesota being the North Stars, and, I, and a lot of people in Minnesota do. Um, but the Wild have really filled the void, and uh, we love watching them. And it's, they've done a great job. I just wish they would have kept the same colors and. And the North Star logo because uh, everybody, well, if you go back and look at the sales of, of NHL jerseys, North Stars are always in the top three because that the jersey and logo is so well received. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great jersey and a great logo. As a player, you know, I, I remember growing up and uh, as a Bruin fan, and they always said the, the garden ice surface was a little smaller than, than some of the other ice surfaces, and I believe Buffalo as well. Um, did that make a difference to you as a player playing from one building to the next? And was there a building that you really had uh, much success in? Well, uh, and Chicago was like that too. It, yeah. it didn't make a difference. It, you know, I, I mean, I, I preferred the other ones because I was a defenseman most of the time and the other ones have more room to operate behind and then in the corners. But, but uh, no, you, you know, you just get used to playing in them. But my favorite it's arena to play in was Montreal. I, I love playing in the forum. Yeah, I mean, they, those Montreal teams were, were uh, fabulous, and they were uh, a, a, a thorn in, in, a, in the Bruins' side, and I'm sure she was a thorn in your side as well. Um, you know, we, let's talk a little autographs. Uh, do you get a lot of autograph requests through the mail? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I don't know how people find out how to get them to me, but I do. <laughs> Are you surprised uh, people still want your autograph after all these years? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they know how old I am, but that, I, <laughs> you know, I, I understand people like to collect stuff. I used to like to collect stuff when I was younger too, so I can understand that. And uh, and I've done a, a number of uh, autograph shows, you know, over the years, and 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 so I, I'm not surprised by uh, the interest that people have in it. How many do you, do you think you get a month? 
a month. I, I get them. Yeah. Uh, I get. I get them from all over the world a couple times a week. Has any? Do you have a favorite Every card week. that you? Enjoy, do you have a favorite card Pardon that me? you enjoy signing? Do you have a favorite card that you enjoy signing? No, no, not at all. I, I, it's a matter of me. I, I'm just surprised that. I'm surprised that some of the pictures I get where, where I don't even have, you know, pictures of me playing that I, I never saw before. I don't know where they get them. Do you have any memorabilia from your playing days or, or from uh, as a GM? Did you, you collect any autographs from, from any famous players or uh, teammates? Yep, I did. The the one I did, I was playing the Heroes of Hockey game in Madison Square Gardens, and Gordie Howe was there, and, and Gordie was always my favorite player. And uh, and and so I said, Gordie, you got to sign my sweater. He said, why? I said, because I, I, I kept nothing. I have no memorabilia, nothing. I gave it all away. And I got to keep something. So he said, okay, you sign mine and I'll sign yours. We did. And I said, let's get everybody signed. So I got the whole team to do it. And uh, so I got that one jersey with all the players that played in the game that, that, that night in Madison Square Gardens. So that's the only thing I really have. I had I had another one of uh, Rocket Richard that uh, I, I loved the Rocket too, and, and I had met him. But my nephew is a Montreal Canadian. He's just a nut. He's just a big fan. So I sent it to him and gave it to him. You you played against Gordy. Was Gordy as tough a, a, a guy on the ice to, to play against as you went up against? Oh, yeah. Not only tough, dirty. And, you know, I mean, he, <laughs> dirty. And there are no qualms about hitting you with a stick or anything else. I mean, if, if you did something to him, you're getting you're you're going to get paid back. That's for sure. And even if you didn't, if you you wanted to puck and you got it somehow he was going to get it he he was tough and mean but he's still my favorite did you you were uh number 23 when in when you're playing did you keep uh any uniforms uh from the, your playing days and how did you become number 23 was that a favorite number of yours well uh i i didn't keep any then i finally found one someplace uh, that i'd given to somebody else for their restaurant when the restaurant went out of business, I went and got my jersey back because I didn't have any, and that's the only one I have. But uh, what <laughs> when I was playing in Sault Ste. Marie growing up, I always wore number two or number three. And when I came to the University of Minnesota, Mariucci said, "I want you to wear number two. That's what I wore. I want you to wear two. So I wore two. Same thing with the Olympic team. And then when I joined the North Stars, number two was taken, number three was taken. So I took twenty-three. And that has that been a lucky number for you since then? Has it ever? Answer that. <laughs> that that that's very cool. Did you? I always ask this to former players. Uh, you know, you said you were a card card collector. Did you ever try to? Uh, did you ever try to buy some packs of cards? You're at a grocery store or a drugstore to try to get your own card. No, I didn't. But I did <laughs> when I was younger. When I was younger, my father had a. a a little grocery store and a confectionery at the front. Yeah. I, I was a big baseball fan, even bigger baseball than hockey. And uh, every day I'd come home and I'd go get some cards at uh, at my father's store and get a pack. So I had all the baseball cards, every one. And you know, in those days, I'm talking about in the 40s now. You know, no no one was really uh, paying attention to collecting cards, but I kept all mine. I had a lot. And then when the card craze came, I went back home to Sault Ste. Marie and uh, 
went upstairs to find my cards. And I said, Mom, more of my cards. She said, Oh, I threw them out. You know, they just, oh, no. They're taking them out. So he threw out all my big box of cards. I had it, everybody. Yeah, yeah. One oh, you must have, been so, must have been so heartbroken. And I was. I, I, you know, especially I, I had, like I said, I had them all. I had the best of the best. You grew up playing juniors with the Espositos, Phil, Phil and Tony. Uh, did you see it even back then? Not, that they were not, gonna... Well, I, had... I actually played with Phil. Tony was two years younger than me. Phil's, Phil's about eight months younger than me. So Phil and I played together all the way through. Tony, I mean, we play another uh, other stuff, but on the actual team, Tony was uh, behind us in the lower lower grade, you know, lower age group. But uh, no, I mean, we grew up a couple blocks from each other and played a lot of things together. And Phil uh, was always extremely talented. It was just that his size was was way ahead of his, uh, his, his skating ability because he grew so fast. If you look at it, he never played junior eight until he was 20 or played at 14. And, uh, but you could see his hands and the way he could handle a puck and, and score. Phil was a tremendous player. We're speaking with Lou Nanny. Lou Nanny played with the Minnesota North Stars from 1968 to 1978. He then uh, was a manager, uh, coach for a briefly in the 78-79 season, then became general manager from 78 to 88. He helped build a team that made the Stanley Cup Finals. He played on the 1968 Winter Olympic team as well as the 1970-76 and 77 U.S. World Championship team and as well as the 1976 Canada Cup, which was probably the best uh, hockey series ever. And he is a uh, has written a couple books. You can check it out on Amazon. It's called uh, A Passion to Win. Check that out, um, Lou. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, uh, just one more question, then I will let you go. Um, I know you said you 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 collected uh, autographs and you have uh, that nice jersey from from Gordy Howe. Um, is the is that your your favorite hockey possession? Is that the one thing that that you, you cherish? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the only thing I got basically. So <laughs> not hard to did cherish. They, did they give you a trophy when you won the Lester Patrick Award? Did you get what did you get for that? Oh yeah, yeah, I got I got a trophy for that. One for the US Hockey Hall of Fame. I got a number of trophies, but that's not uh, that's not uh, jersey of stuff from playing days. You know those are. Sure. Were things. you surprised that's when before. you got inducted the US Hockey Hall of Fame? Was that was that an honor for you? Yeah, it was a real big honor. You know, very thrilled about it. It's been uh, just I'm in the International Ice Hockey Hall of Fame too. That was even the bigger surprise. So that was that was, that was very nice. Do you do you watch um, any? Do you watch the game today? And is there a player that reminds you of yourself on the ice today? No, I, I don't look at anybody reminding me of me. But I, I do watch a game. I still do a radio show every week. Uh, about the, the Minnesota Wild, so I, I, I watched all the games. My grandson Vinny Letary belongs to Bruins. He, he was leading Providence in scoring. Got called up to the Bruins here a few weeks ago, and then injured his ankle the day he's supposed to play against the Leafs, and he's been out ever since. So he's been with the Rangers, been with Anaheim, now he's with the Bruins organization. So I still keep track of the NHL. Are my Bruins going to win it this year? They're going to hoist the cup. I think they are. I think they got everything you need to win. They certainly look better than everybody to me. They're such an enjoyable team to watch, and the passing and the yeah. skating are phenomenal. 
Yeah. All right, Mr. Well, Danny, thanks, thank Jeff. You. i got to run and thank catch a plane. I appreciate time. it. All right, You're welcome. Nice to be with you. Yep, thank thanks, you. Thanks, and safe travels. Well, Lou is a really interesting guy, Drew. He, you know, he he taught he talked about his time um, at University of Minnesota. He he took some time off before he signed, uh, got drafted by the the Blackhawks. But he took some time off, and because he could make more money in the business, and then he went on and decided to play uh, professional hockey with the North Stars. He was involved with the um, Herb Brooks and getting him to be coach of the Olymp- 1980 Olympic team. And he's been he's done anything in hockey, so it was really great to talk to him. Definitely always good to hear from guys like that. And I mean, I love that he's got that he's got so much loyalty to his home state there like that as well. It's yeah. Something so just, we get, you don't see sat- in sports much. This week's show, Saturday, we're going to say it'll probably be, I'm going to probably post it on Friday, but we, this week's uh, show, we have a collector, Lee Alexander. Lee is a big collector in hockey cards and boxing. We talked to Lee just about uh, everything that he collects. It was really fun to talk to some, uh, a passionate collector. We also talked to Les Wolf and, and more from Les. And we talked to Les about, um, dealing with autograph, I'm sorry, dealing with auction companies and how you can sell your your cards through auction companies, and also kind of what you do, what you do to prepare for, uh, you know, when you're no longer here, for, so your family doesn't have to sit there and uh, be brought down by uh, your whole collection and not know what to do with it. We talked to him. We uh, tells us get some plans about our planning, right? Planning yeah. to do what to do with your collection. So we talked to Les on but on Saturday next. Wednesday, next Wednesday, one-on-one, TTMcast one-on-one, we have Kanal Chopra, who is the CEO of Beckett. He's been with Beckett now for about a year, and we're going to talk to him. There's all sorts of stuff going on with Beckett. They had made purchases, right? They have a new corporate headquarters. They now are uh, authenticating tickets. They have uh, they just got a new round, round of financing. There's all sorts of stuff to talk to Kanal about what's going on at Beckett. So that will be next week. Drew, anything you want to want to talk to, uh, add before I let you go? No, but I might try playing some more floorball again this week and try not to die doing that. So that's, uh, that's yeah, that's about <laughs> all I got going oxygen, on for me. Bring the bring the oxygen, Jen. Exactly. Get the oxygen, you know. get the oxygen tank, get the uh, the back brace, the ankle wraps, everything like that. And I'll try not to block a shot off my calf this time either. So, yeah. all right, Drew, I got my uh, hat packed. I got my sunscreen packed. I got my cards packed. I'm raring to go. Uh, we'll have a good. I'll have a good time in Florida. I'll touch base with you guys. I want to wish everyone. Uh, many happy returns, and we will see you on Saturday with TTM Cast, our regular TTM Cast po- podcast. Uh, be good. Hey.